great to be together uh, in, in God's house with our church family. Uh, let's pray as we get into his word. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. And God, we thank you that your mercy never fades. We thank you that, uh, God, you, um, you call us to more. Jesus, you call us uh, to rise. Uh, and we thank you that you have conquered the grave and that you rose and that you're coming back for us one day. And Father, we celebrate that every week that we get together. Uh, Jesus, now as we dive into your word, as we look at what you have for us, as we look at what maybe we need to, uh, to leave behind and leave at your feet, Jesus, I pray that you would move powerfully through this place as your spirit already has. Lord, continue to, to move through here, to continue to speak to us, help us to see what we need to see, to hear from you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you're new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, we're so glad to have you here. Uh, and we uh, started talking last week, uh, and we're going to talk again this week about the idea of out with the old, and in some ways, yeah, in with the new, um, but about really renewing our minds. And while New Year's typically brings new things to our life and, and new goals and new habits and new routines that we try to set, uh, I really want to challenge us to let go to actually let go of some things, to put some things down, to let go of the things that maybe weigh us down, the regrets that hold us back, the destructive mindsets that are grounded in lies instead of grounded in God's truth. And, and when we're committed to letting go of those things that hold us back, then, then we can really become more motivated to see what God has for us, be more motivated to, to see his dreams in our life really flourish. And so what needs to go out with the old? so that there's room for the new that Jesus wants to do in your life? That's the question. It can be scary, absolutely, to let go of the things that God is telling us to let go of, and we can really hold tight to those things because we love our comfort zone, right? We love being comfy. We love the comfy blanket in, in our life, and we've all kind of got that, that thing that we hold on to. But instead, what if we embrace the change that requires us to step out in faith and trust God more? instead of gravitating toward the things that, that keep us in our comfort zone. So what, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that God is asking you to let go of? Have you ever publicly embarrassed yourself? Yeah, I think we all have in, in, in some way, shape, or form, right? You know, you, you've done something, at least in a small way, that just makes you wonder if you should show your face in public ever again. Um, you know, maybe it was a time you uh, were talking in front of a bunch of people and your zipper was down the whole time. I'm not gonna lie, it's something I check every week before I come on stage. It's like the last thing I check, I'm not even kidding. Your shirt's on backwards or something like that, right? Or you, you, you show up to a place and you realize, I got dressed in the dark and I thought these pants were blue. They're black and I don't, and it doesn't match. Or, you know, one blue shoe, one, one black shoe. I had somebody tell me that at the end of the first service. They're like, I went somewhere and I, I, I have two of the exact same shoes, but one's blue and one's black. And I went somewhere and had one of each. So, yay. That was great, right? But maybe it's something that's a little bit more substantial. Maybe, maybe it's when somebody finally confronted you about mispronouncing their name for the last two years. <laughs> right? Just calling them the wrong, you know, like, my name is not Cooper, you know. Um, but... Sometimes it's, it's something that's an embarrassing mistake that hurts someone deeply. Maybe at times it's pain due to an intentional choice or action that you made that you now regret. The word regret means feeling sad, repentant, 
and or disappointed over something that's been done or, or a missed opportunity. That's, that's the definition. Maybe you broke somebody's trust by, by lying to them or, or you posted some nasty something on social media. You know, stealing money from somebody to, to support a bad, a bad habit. You know, maybe it's something that, that deep. Maybe it's cheating on somebody and losing a relationship, losing a, losing a marriage over it. But we can also regret not taking action, right? There's, there's, all, there's always those things that you're like, I wish I would have done. You know, you replay that in your head. All of us have had, right? You, you run the highlight reel of the conversation you should have had and the things that you should have said in that moment. I remember uh, something that I still, honestly, my wife and I regret to this day. We were in, in kind of a missed opportunity. We were on our honeymoon. We were at Disney World, surprise. And so we're at the Magic Kingdom and we were uh, right uh, kind of at the corner of Main Street, if you know Magic Kingdom, we're like at the corner sitting there and we were, I think we were eating ice cream and um, just, just chilling and the castle was like right there. It was kind of like a picture perfect moment and it's just the two of us sitting there and we must have had that look of newlyweds or whatever. Cast member walks up to us and they're like, hey, are you guys newlyweds? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're on our honeymoon. And they're like, awesome. So the parade's starting in about 30 minutes. Do you guys want to be the marshal of the parade? And we were like, nah. <laughs> nah? Like, seriously? I'm, this is, I'm not making this up. This is 100% true. We're like, nah, I don't think so. I mean, we're good. We're eating our ice cream. What in the world? Why would we say no to that? Like, 20 minutes later, we're sitting there, and, like, it comes back to us. Like, apparently, our brains turn back on or something. And we're like, what? you know what, yeah, we should do this. And so we go running around looking for the cat, couldn't find the cast member, they were gone and all that. And like, seriously, like the whole rest of the time, 20 and a half years later, we're actually sitting like, remember when we should have been in the parade? <laughs> you know, research tells us uh, that some of the most common regrets include, include things like working too hard, not expressing your feelings, not staying in touch with friends, not letting yourselves be happy. Those are some of the highest regrets that people have. Some regrets are small and we can quickly move on from them. And others, they really carve like a deep scar in us that we carry for a while. And it influences our thoughts and our actions for years to come. I think all of us know what I mean by that. And it's important for us to recognize and to acknowledge those things, but to also let go of those regrets. As hard as that might be. And so, we need to do that if we're going to step into what God has for us, especially as we move into 2024. We need to step into what God has for us with a true sense of freedom. And we can't do that if we're holding on to regrets. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 26. Or you can follow along in the Bible app. I would really encourage you to do that if you have the Bible app to follow along, especially if this idea of holding on to regrets is something that really resonates with you. I'm telling you, you're probably going to want to save the notes from today. And you can do that right in the Bible app if you didn't know right as you're going through the notes. If you have an account signed in there, you can just go to the top right and hit save. And you can also add your own notes to it as well in there. But in Acts 26, we're gonna, we're gonna look at one person who had to let go of their regrets, and that was the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he studied Jewish law in the strictest manner under a really well-known and respected Pharisee in Jerusalem, right? Like his sensei was the main guy, you know, that everybody knew sort of thing. And they don't have senseis as a Pharisee. But 
his excitement to really pursue religious tradition and, and all of the religiosity that goes in with being a Pharisee and all of those things, he had convinced himself that he was going to be the best at all of those things. And as you read through the scriptures of the Apostle Paul, you see he did nothing 99%. Dude was at 120% all the time on everything. And so, of course, when Jesus of Nazareth shows up and he starts bringing people to him and Paul whose name was Saul, being a Pharisee at the time, went hardcore after the people that were following Jesus. He convinced himself to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He persecuted the followers of Jesus, known as the followers of the way. He captured men and women, helped to capture men and women to get them into prison. He punished people that were in the synagogues that were followers of Jesus. Uh, he actually even went to foreign cities, as he says here in just a minute, and, and sought after people and tried to get people to blaspheme the name of Jesus so that he could cast a vote against them to get them into prison to the extent of casting a vote against them to get them killed. Saul was not a good dude to the nth degree. And so that brings us to Acts 26, knowing all that. Here's what he says in Acts 26, 9 through 11. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Good grief. This is Paul kind of telling on himself. With this list of all that he's doing, right, there's no doubt that he was pursuing Jewish law to the, you know, to the nth degree that he possibly could. Yet, this guy has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changes everything. The resurrected Savior shows up and blinds him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden, Saul, who then later becomes Paul, realizes that he was actually fighting against the Messiah that he was waiting to arrive. He didn't realize that in that moment, Jesus was right there with him the whole time, that he was the Messiah. And despite all that, he could have so much regret when it comes to life, right? And in some ways, he does, as you're reading here. But despite all that, Jesus chooses to use Paul to be an instrument for him and to send him away to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, which are people that aren't Jewish. So that's you and me. And through Paul's ministry would actually lead to spread the gospel through Asia Minor and through Europe. And he carried the regret of persecution against the church to those who would later become his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's, he's walking through this with the regret of that once he finally understood what was going on. Yet, yet that regret didn't chain him up and hold him back, especially once he learned what to do with it. Look at what he says to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He's like, I know what I did. I know who I am or who I was. This is someone who's really hard on themselves, clearly. And you might say, yeah, well, you know what? Rightfully so. Okay, I guess. But do you want God to hold everything against you that you've ever done that was against him? 
no matter how big or small. And then look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. He talks about grace so much, Paul does. And the reason he does throughout all of his letters, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. And throughout all of those, you see the overwhelming amount of him talking about grace because he had received so much grace because of understanding the things that he had done. He acknowledges the regretful decisions of his past, but he didn't allow them to stop him from receiving God's forgiveness and grace. He leaned heavy on God's grace, which grace is a good way to say it is the undeserved favor of God. We don't deserve favor from God. None of us do. And Paul's like, yeah, I definitely don't with everything that I've done. But you know what? He, he still got it and he allowed God's grace to work through him as he ministered to other people. And this is the difference between letting regret control you and drag you down or giving it to the Lord and allowing those past mistakes, those past decisions to drive you toward the ultimate purpose that God has for you. And like Paul, we have to acknowledge any feelings of regret that we have. We have to acknowledge those things that are impacting the way that we see ourselves because it does. Those things... They impact the way you see you, and it impacts the way I see me. So we have to choose to to not acknowledge those feelings and keep them hidden. Do we do that? No. Or do we allow the pain of our past to limit the potential that we have? Because it'll do that. The pain of your past, if you let it, it will lock you up, and it will limit the potential ministry that God wants to do through you. So what regrets do you need to leave behind so that Jesus can bring healing and forgiveness? I want you to think about this for a minute. Forget about anything else. Forget about lunch or whatever else is coming up. I want you to just lean in for a minute. What regrets do you need to leave behind so that Jesus can bring healing and forgiveness? There are good reasons why on the vehicle you drove here, the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror really good reasons. And if we spend too much time staring in the rearview mirror, we're going to wreck the vehicle. Too many of us in our life stare at that rearview mirror way too much, and it looks way bigger than it should be. And we're forgetting about everything else, and we're barely keeping the car on the road. We can't continue to stare at the rearview mirror. We need to let go of our regrets and work through the pain of our past And that's hard to do. And it doesn't happen overnight. That's the thing. This is not something that happens overnight. You're not going to walk out of here and go, sweet, done, got it, boom. No, this is a process that we need to go through. And this is something that needs to continually happen. And some of the things I'm going to give you here are things that need to just continually happen day by day, over and over in the process of it. And once we recognize our regrets that are holding us back, We need to do a few things. And so while this isn't a comprehensive list, I want to give you actually some practical action to move forward with. I'm going to give you a biblical process to battle regret. And notice, this is battle regret. This isn't saying walk out after Jay's TED Talk and you're all good. That's not what this is. These are some things in the process that need to happen over and over and over and over and over until Jesus takes you home because we're all struggling with regret. I know some of you 
some of us here lock in with me for the next 10 minutes or so. Number one, confession and repentance. Confession, we have to start here. We have to start with confession and repentance. To bring these regrets to God, confessing and repenting of our sins that created these feelings that we have, to receive the forgiveness of God. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to confess and repent and turn and turn away and believe the truth of this verse. I mean, do we believe the truth of that? That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us? Do we believe that? Amen. Okay, then let's believe that. Then let's actually believe that about ourselves, about what God says to you in that way. That's not just good for everybody else. That's good for you. Which leads me to the next one, which is forgive yourself. This is a hard one. This is a hard one for some of us. It's a hard one for me. I gotta be honest, I'm preaching to myself today. Just straight up. Forgive yourself by remembering that the Spirit has set us free in Christ from the condemnation of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen, there is no condemnation and no means no, not maybe, not probably, not just a little bit. No means no. You're like, well, he, he probably meant that for everybody but me. Stop. Right? So the cross wasn't good enough for what you regret? Ooh. It's true, though, right? That's, that's kind of what we're doing. When we continue to hold on to it, we're saying the cross wasn't enough. It was more than enough, y'all. See, if Jesus isn't holding it against you, then who are you to hold it against you? <laughs> Look at Paul again. What, what he did to Christians, I don't think anybody here has a list like that. Yet Jesus not only forgave him, but then he called him to a higher purpose because of it. Because of what he did. Jesus was like, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna use it. And I'm gonna use it more than you can ever imagine. What might Jesus be calling you to that your regrets are keeping you from? which takes me to the next one, which is to focus on what's next. We need to focus on what's, what's next. And that doesn't mean, what that doesn't mean is just everything we sweep under the rug, but we need to focus on the next goal that God is calling us to in Christ. We need to look at the windshield more than we look at the rearview mirror. Look at how Paul looks at this. Here's, here's Paul dealing with this, literally. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Paul had not arrived. There's no ego for this dude. He had not, he's, he's not like, yeah, I'm good. Look at me, I'm Paul. What's up? That's not Paul. No, he hadn't arrived. He's like, I haven't got this all figured out yet. I'm still working on this. But you know what? At the same time, Paul had no plan B. He had no plan B. He's like, the, the, there's only one plan, and it's what God called me to, and I'm going to do that as best as I can. Your past does not define you, and your past does not disqualify you. Please hear that. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Your past does not define you, nor does it disqualify you. Paul's example is a perfect example of that. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not done or complete until the day we are called home. As long as you're still here, Jesus has something for you to do. I don't care if you're 12 or if you're 112. If you're 112, that's amazing. God definitely has something for you. And then he says, I press on. I press on. Now this statement, we can look at that and go, oh, he's just saying, get over it. Get over it and move on. That's not what Paul's saying. I know some of us like to say that. Sometimes we make us feel better about ourselves. Sometimes that's true that we do. It's like minor, we do just need to get over it and move on. Sometimes we don't. Because what Paul's saying here, in fact, is kind of the opposite. We need to put our effort into God's will through that circumstance. Put your effort into God's will through that circumstance, not, not our own, which actually goes into the next part of the process, which is learn to use your story. Learn to use your story. You want to talk about somebody that used his story? Let's look at Paul. Because even though he's getting what is behind in that verse, he wasn't saying that it just didn't matter anymore. Because as you read through the New Testament and you read his letters, he used his story over and over and over and over and over again. He used it all the time. And he made such an impact for the kingdom to the point of, and I know I've said this before, you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't have a church here right now had the apostle Paul not allowed God to use him in the way that he did. That's not an overstatement. God's will for us is to be a witness and to use the experiences of our life to propel us forward to the high calling that we have and to not get distracted, right? Some of what you know, God has shown you through those regrets. Some of the wisdom that you have is because of some of the regrets that you've been through. Some, some of us have been through some stuff, been through some tough stuff, going through some stuff. Let's be honest. Some of it's your own doing. Some of it's our own doing. Some of it's our own mistakes and our bad choices that we've made. We're all sinners. So let's use those things. What if you use those things to help other people, to understand others? Because you have a perspective that's different. Because you've been there, done that to be there for others. Listen, I have some incredible wisdom and nearly prophetic predictability in some areas of life because there was a time when I had a whole lot of stupidity and I was a complete idiot in some areas of life. And so do you, <laughs> right? There are some things that you're like, absolutely, I could tell you 99% that it's gonna go this way because I was that dumb. There are some things I'm really good at in life because I was really awful at them at some point and I had to ask and I had nobody to ask. So I just had to figure it out. And you've got some of the same stories. And God didn't give you those stories to just sit and regret and pine over them. He gave them to you to use them, to learn to use them, to reach people for him. I remember this one time I was... Uh, uh, I went water skiing, or I attempted to. My cousin tells me, uh, he takes me water skiing. It's the first and only time I've ever done this. And he's like, now you gotta hold on to that thing 
as hard, like you cannot let go. Like you got to use all your strength and hang on to that thing when the boat takes off. And I'm like, all right. He's like, just do not let go and, and you'll be fine. What he didn't tell me is I need to keep my skis up like this a little bit. So my skis were kind of down and I will never forget this. This was awful. The boat takes off and I'm holding on to this thing as hard as I can and I'm not letting go. And I look up and I'm underwater, like on the bottom of the lake and there's the boat. And I'm like, don't let go, right? Well, eventually I let go because you can't breathe down there. I don't know if you knew that. You can't breathe underwater. And so, yeah, I, I let go and I, and I come up. And so I have some wisdom in telling you, don't water ski. That's my wisdom, <laughs> right? Don't do it. <laughs> You've probably got some stories, though, that are much more intense than that and some tougher things than just that. The next one is to give thanks. This might seem strange, but if you approach your regret with a place of, of gratitude, for one, you're gonna approach that, you're gonna approach the Lord on this from your knees in prayer. Giving thanks to God for his patience despite our shortcomings. Right, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks for the wisdom that he's given you and the patience that he has had with you. Because boy, has he had some patience with me. And I'm sure he has with you as well. And that brings us to our last one that actually all of these go together with, which is this, to surround yourself with Christian community. We need to surround ourselves with Christian community. If you're, if you're trying to do this on your own, it's not gonna happen because we weren't created to do life on our own, right? Finally, we need, to, we need to realize that we need to surround ourselves with Christian community for accountability and encouragement. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching and the day, capital D, is the day of the Lord when the Lord returns and we're getting closer and closer to that, amen? If you aren't doing this part, you will never fully put regret behind you. Hear me. If you're not doing this part, you will never fully put regret behind you. We can't do this on our own. We weren't meant to, which is why, look at me, regret grows in isolation. And you know that. Regret grows bigger and bigger when we just keep it to ourselves. It just continues to eat away at us. That, that little pit in your stomach that's like right there just continues to eat away at you. Those sleepless nights where you're staring at the ceiling and you're just replaying all of this stuff in your head. Listen, I struggle with that stuff as well. But we're not meant to do this alone. Finally, as kind of a side note, but it needs to be said, is, is the potential to seek professional help. Some things that you've gone through might be bigger than just all of this stuff and, and you may need actual professional help in where you are and that's okay. You may need to seek professional help from counseling or something along those lines to seek accountability in that way, to seek professional Christian counseling, if I can say that as, you know, to that extent. In fact, it's a healthy thing for many of us to do. It's okay. It, it, it's not a badge of shame. In fact, it's a badge of honor in many ways. If you need help, 
in this way, there are some resources that we have. There are some local organizations that we have links to on our website. You can scan that code. You can go to connectchurch.xyz slash mental health. And there are some things on there. There are some resources on there that can help you. And some places that we can recommend to you. Listen, I'm not a professional counselor. None of our staff is. I'd love to sit and talk with you and we can help maybe in that way. But seeking professional help isn't necessarily a, it's not a bad thing to do. Right? There are some other resources on this website as well. There are some really good video series on, on Right Now Media that we have links to that are on there also. Um, so please, take advantage of this. If this is something that's maybe a, a little bit bigger than just getting involved in a life group, which I cannot recommend enough as part of having Christian community and, and all of that, to be involved in a life group, to be involved with other fellow believers and all of that. But where you are might be to this extent and and that's okay. So here's, here's some help for you in that way. So just to review, listen, we need to connect to God by confessing and repenting and forgiving ourselves to focus on what he has next, to learn to use your story, to thank him throughout all of it and to surround yourself with Christian community. Again, you can go on our website and jump into a life group uh, or be a part of a Bible study and as we lean into God's mercy and, and grace, we can live without our regret chaining us up and holding us back and paralyzing us from all that God has in store for us if maybe we're just working this process a little more often. And you may need to just over, and this might be a daily thing, this might be your daily prayer that you need to run through. But we need to acknowledge our regrets and to let go of the pain that's caused so much stuff, maybe caused pain in people that you love, we can receive grace, we can receive forgiveness and, and help from God and from others, from other godly individuals that are in our circles. You know, Billy Graham said, I've never known a man who received Christ and ever regretted it. You will never regret your relationship with Jesus. You'll never regret having a relationship with Jesus because of the grace, mercy, and love that he gives you, no matter what. I say this all the time, you can't do anything to make him love you more, and you can't do anything to make him love you less. And if you haven't received the gift of a relationship with Jesus and the gift of eternal life, it's a free gift. See, ultimately, the regrets are something that need to go out with the old because it needs to make room for Jesus, and Jesus is not about regret. He wants a relationship with you so that he can help walk you through that. He wants to walk right beside you through whatever that is. Many of us deeply regret some harmful, painful things from our past, some missed opportunities that were there that we didn't take advantage of. But holding on to those things hiding ourselves in those things. We're limiting the healing that God desires to have and to do in us, and we're limiting the ministry that he wants to do through each and every one of us. So my connection point for us today is to look forward to Jesus with hope, not backward with regret. Look forward to him with hope, out with the old regrets, in with the healing of Jesus, because part of that regret process is also battling regret, is also healing. There's healing as part of that. 
as we look to be the branch, as Jesus is the vine and we are the branch, and we look to be the branch in 2024 as individuals, but also as a church. We need to leave out the regrets. We need to leave out the sins that weigh us down. And we gotta be honest with the Lord about what needs to be laid down at the foot of the cross in 2024 so that we can experience the new that he has for us. Will you bow your heads with me? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's, let me ask you, why? You may be having a lot of regrets in your life that you're dealing with and you're trying to deal with them on your own. How's that going? Have you thought about handing those over to Jesus and laying them at the foot of the cross? And if you don't have a relationship with him, it's got to start there because God created you and he created you to be with him. Again, you're not meant to do this on your own. Right, your sins, those things that you've done that maybe you regret and you're holding against yourself, you can't remove those things by being good enough. We try and try and try to be good enough, but you can't remove those things by doing good things. And Jesus paid the price for you and for me so that we could have eternal life. And he did that for everyone. Your sin wasn't too big. Your sin isn't too big for Jesus. He's got the strength to carry it. So stop holding on to to those regrets and leave them at the foot of the cross. And if you need to give your life to Jesus today, all you have to do is cry out to him as, as part of this process, even confess and repent. Tell Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin and I turn to you, Lord. Come into my life and save me. And Just put that in your own words. But honestly, I'd, I'd rather you come down and talk to one of us at the end of the service so that we can show you in God's word and you can really, really know what it truly means to surrender to the Lord and give your life to him. And you can walk out of here in the newness of life, leaving that regret at the feet of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love for us. We are so grateful that you don't hold those things against us even though we do. God, we've messed up, we've screwed up. We've screwed up more than than we even probably will admit to ourselves. And Lord, you love us anyway. We're so grateful for your grace, your undeserved favor in our life. Lord, we need to, to let some of these things go out with the old, but at the same time, use them as part of our story to drive us forward into the newness of life that you have for us so that we can share this good news. Because ultimately, Jesus, this is all about, this is the good news. The good news that you don't hold it against us, Lord, that you forgive us, that you love us so much. So Lord, if there's one here, if there's one watching online that doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray that today your spirit would move in such a powerful way that they wouldn't be able to walk out of this place without knowing for sure that they have a relationship with you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name.